0: We sang that song a few minutes ago, and it said, uh, uh, what did it say? You make all things work together for my future and for my good. And uh, it it just resonates with me that some of us are probably singing that and going, yeah, right? Like, what amazing words. And others of us are maybe looking at those words and going, is that really true? Could that really be? And, And maybe it's because Um, and this is not in my notes today, I was just thinking about, uh, maybe it's because you feel um, a a sense of loss, you know, like like in in areas of your life. I think we all go through times where we feel like, uh, we feel lost, and that could be, uh, I'll just tell you, I I lost somebody really close to me uh, two weeks back. He was a mentor of mine, and a a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine for 25 years, where, where he invested himself into me, and a bunch of other people like me, and we celebrated his life yesterday. His name's Ken Schultz. Um, and he was this, this gift to me uh, and, and so many other people in, in this world. And I was thinking this week, I was telling Liz just how it feels like, well, I heard this pastor say this a, a while back, and it's, it's stuck with me that there's, um, when you grieve something or when you lose something, and it doesn't have to be a death, it could just be the loss of an expectation. Right? or the loss of a relationship, or it just didn't work out how you thought it would. And all of us tend to carry these things around with us, even though you, you, know, you look amazing this morning, right? And no one could tell that you're going through anything, but all, 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 so many of us do. And, and it's like, uh, if you've ever been to, to New York City and the 9-11 Memorial there, uh, you see a fountain that goes into the, into the ground and the artist, that, uh, the architect of that, that monument calls it the void. And when you look at the city and you used to see the, the twin, the, the towers there, uh, now you look at it and you just see, a you know, well, they've built other things around it now, but you see this void. And, and the idea that loss is this idea of invisible, uh, just this invisible void. And, and you just feel it. And so the reason I say that today is because I know that all of us walk in here with different things. And if you're walking in today feeling like you're singing that song to the top of your lungs, I love it, I'm so glad, I want to do that too. If you're walking in here feeling the void today, you're in the right place, okay? Like you're in the right place. And there's something amazing about God that we can even sing those words and uh, and, and in the mystery of them and knowing that he is the one who fills the void. That he's going to fill that void in your life. I was thinking this week, how... Is, is that void that I feel in my life there? And, and I'll, I'll say this too, I mean, I lost my dad three years ago and I still feel that void. How, how does God fill those, right? I don't know, but somehow he does and, and, and somehow that's his offer to you and to me. And I just want to say to you, if that's where you are today and you can't come in like this, you know, high and everybody, you're just here. We're so glad you're here and you're in the right place. Okay, you're, you're, you're welcome here. So um, we're in this series on the book of John, and it's called Jesus Up Close. And the reason we're doing this is because we, we, if we want to know God, like if you want to know God, the best way to do that is to know Jesus. If you want to know who he is in this world, and, and you've got questions about him, if you're wondering if he even exists. What I would say to you is the best way to know about God is to get up close to Jesus and see what he's like. And so the book of John is an amazing place, an amazing way to do that. And today we get to read like the most famous passage in the Bible, all right? I mean, it, you, you'll, you'll see it in a minute and you've heard it. And we get to talk about that today and, and how we get there. But um, you know, one of the things that we, we uh, you know, this is the part of the human experience is asking questions, especially if you have kids, like kids ask questions a lot. Like all kinds of questions. Are we there yet? Uh, what's for dinner? Um, can I have a snack? What's for dessert? Uh, do I have to eat my dinner? How much of my dinner do I need to eat to get the dessert? Do I have to go to bed? Uh, question after question after, after question. I mean, kids ask all kinds of questions. I think about this especially when our kids were smaller. Um, here's a question for you to consider that a kid, uh, you know, a kid like yours might ask. Does the letter, um, does the letter W, Start with a D. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. I don't mess with your mind. There's a the letter W. Start with a D. Um, <laughs> uh, I, this this one mom said that uh, her daughter asked this question. She her question was how do babies get inside your stomach, and <laughs> the question right and and before she could uh, the mom could start to answer the the girl said is it magic or science, and um, <laughs> the mom was like. Science. <clears throat> and the dar was like, I knew it. I knew it. Magic or science? It's science. They also ask questions like this. What does God look like? Yeah, more serious questions, right? Kids ask these questions. What does God look like? Um, why do people die? All kinds of amazing questions. Uh, we say this all the time at Love Lake Norman. This is a place to bring your questions. We want that to be true. We want that to be true. And one of the things we're gonna, we're gonna do this morning, and I really, I really want you to do this. Um, on our screen today, there are, we, we never met a QR code we didn't like, let me tell you. Um, I'm not sure how, are we done with them yet in society? <laughs> Ethan loves a good QR code. So um, both of these go to the same thing. And here's, here's what these are, and they're gonna go, they're gonna leave them up, uh, the whole message here. We want you to ask your questions. And these are anonymous, okay? So you can go here, and you can, uh, you'll find a, a place that just says, what's your question for God? Now, um, we're, we're not gonna try to like, answer them all, okay? And we might, we might, we might try to do a, f- a few, but what we want uh, for you to experience is just this, th- th- if we say, hey, this place is a place for your questions, we, we wanna mean it. And so we want you to ask them, and, and we think it's important for you to ask them. So if, like, God was sitting right beside you today and you had a cup of coffee together, what would you ask him? We just, we just want to know, and we think it's important for you to voice those. And so you're going to voice those and, and share them with us. And then next week, we're going we're gonna to sort of look at them in some ways to, together. Again, they're anonymous, and we're not going to try and answer them all. But I want to invite you at some point during this message here today, when you think of your question, and it might take you a minute, right, to, to um, take a little picture of that, go to the link and ask your question about God. Um, Here's the question I want to ask today, and we asked it uh, several weeks ago. Ethan spoke to it last week, and he did an amazing job last Sunday, by the way. Uh, We're gifted in this church, yeah, thank you, Uh, to have some amazing um, people who can communicate uh, the scriptures, and and that's a a blessing. And um, we were well taken care of last uh, week, especially, because he talked about hot dogs in Costco. And uh, if you didn't, I mean, that's, that's worth it. You've got to go back and listen to it. That's worth it, the whole thing. Uh, but the question I want to ask today that we're going to continue to ask is this. What's the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus? What's the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And so in this study of the book of John, we've been going through kind of chapter by chapter. We're not taking every verse. Uh, we have these journals, by the way, and if you haven't gotten one yet, you can take one. They're in the lobby, and it's, it's the book of John on one side and a journal on the other side uh, where you can take notes, and we'd encourage you to do that. John chapter 2, Ethan spent time last week talking about the wedding in Cana, Jesus' first miracle, and kind of why it was his first miracle. But, but after that happens, uh, Jesus gets crazy all right? And he clears the temple. You might have heard that story before where he clears the temple. They're selling things in the temple. And so he, uh, he, he sort of turns the tables over. He flips them over. Um, and uh, I should not show that meme of Jesus flipping over a table. Like, have you seen that? Like, if you ask AI uh, for a picture of Jesus flipping over a table, it's like Jesus doing a flip over a table. That's not what he did. He literally flipped the tables over. He got upset because they were making a mockery of the temple. And so that's happening. And, and he says some crazy stuff. In fact, he says to everybody, hey, if, if you destroy this, uh, like destroy this temple, I will raise it again in three days. And they're all standing around like the Pharisees, people going, uh, it took 46 years to build this thing. And you're gonna what? You're gonna raise us in three days. They didn't know what he was he was talking about. But um, he he in that moment, I want you to know, like he said one of the most inflammatory things that you could say in that day. Uh, he criticized the temple, he criticized the Pharisees, he criticized the temple. This is why, in the book of Acts, actually, if you, you might remember that they killed a guy named Stephen, uh, this is why they killed Stephen. It was because he basically criticized the the, the temple when he was preaching. And then that was a huge notice, so he makes this really inflammatory comment, and then, and then you get one of John's little asides, like John kind of tells the story, and then he steps to the side, and he says, now, um, let, me, let me whisper this in your ear. Here's what was really happening, and he does that, I think, like 59 times in the book of John, but we get this little aside here, and he says this, John says, now while he was in Jerusalem." at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and they believed in his name. And then he says, but Jesus wouldn't entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And so uh, John kind of gives us that. He gives us that little parenthetical statement uh, about what was going, about what was going on. And then we get to the story that I really want to share with you this morning, and it's about this one particular man and his interaction with Jesus. And it starts like this. It says that um, uh, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling. Council. So here's what we know about Nicodemus already in this one sentence: that that he was a Pharisee, he was a, a he was a part of the elite religious leadership in the temple. He was a highly respected man because he made his way up to the the ruling council. Uh, he was very very well known. And Nicodemus would have known; he would have been aware of what Jesus had said about the temple. He would have been one of those that was around, going, "Can you believe what this guy says? We've got to do something about it." He would have been in those conversations. Okay? He would have felt the, the weight of that, the pressure of that, the, 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 the confusion and the complexity of what do we do? This guy is saying this, but we don't want to incite a riot. And all these, all these conversations behind the scenes, Nicodemus would have been a part of that. And then by, by the way, if, if, if you watch The Chosen, I think they do a pretty good job with, with Nicodemus in, uh, in that show. But here's what it says that he did. He came to Jesus at night. He came to Jesus at night. Now, um, my speculation on this, uh, my speculation on this is that he came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen by the rest of his, his people. He didn't want to be seen going to talk to Jesus, but he wanted to see Jesus badly. He didn't want to be seen, but he wanted to see him. And he was going to do whatever it took to see Jesus and, and, and what this points us ahead to is the central truth that Nicodemus was about to realize about God. It points to this central truth about him, and it's this, that when you seek God, God responds. So if you're here today and you're seeking after God, you need to uh, like be encouraged. God responds. God responds. Uh, we used to play hide-and-seek with the kids when they were little. And when you, when you play hide-and-seek with kids when they're little, um, they want to be found. <laughs> so they'll hide and for like, like one minute later you hear this like hee 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 you know or this giggle or this like knocking on the door they're in the closet they, 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 they want to be found they understand that uh, the best thing about hide and seek is actually being found God loves this kind of pursuit because he wants to be found he's not hiding from you he wants to be found by you He's offering himself up to you when you seek God. God um, responds, and so so here's how this story goes. Uh, uh, he came to Jesus at night, and he said to Jesus, "Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him." And then it says this. Does it say another verse? If God were not with him, maybe it stops there. Um, you're right. I gotta look at my notes. Um, Yes, that's right. Nicodemus approaches Jesus at great risk. At great risk to his reputation, to his wealth, to his position. He approaches him at great risk to himself. And I think it's because of this. I think it's because he realized something else. Not only that God will respond when we seek after him. I think he looked around the people that he was hanging around with and spending time with. And he was like, hmm, is that who I want to be? Like, like, is that who I want to be? I think he realized this, that you become the people that you spend the most time with. There's, there's uh, Jim Rohn, who's a speaker, said, said this. He's like, you, you become the average, you take the five people you spend the most time with and you uh, take the average of that person, that's the person you're becoming. <clears throat> you become the people that you spend the most time with. And he looked around at the people that he was with. And I think he went, this is not okay with me. This is not who I want to be. You know, this is true of you, by the way, if you're a, um, a teenager uh, or even younger here, that you become, this is just true, you become the people that you hang around with. You become like them, okay? Um, it, it, it's, just, it's just reality, like, like you can't fight that. That's just true. It, it makes it really important to think about who you're with. Uh, older people in the room. The same thing's true of you, all right? The same thing is true of me. You become the people you spend the most time with. And he saw these men around him, Nicodemus, and they were climbing this ladder of life. And he's like, that's the wrong ladder. Like they're climbing, climbing the wrong ladder. They were seeking uh, to gain more and more knowledge so that they could uh, know more and more and that they could be respected higher and higher. And it was a pride kind of thing. They were protecting their status and their wealth. And and, and he looked around and he had this realization, that's who I'm becoming. And this is my one life and and I don't wanna do that. And so he decides to take a risk. Some of you are at that moment in your life where you're looking around and you're going, This is who I really want to be. And you're at the moment right before you take the risk. And you're trying to figure out, do I really want to go pursue Jesus or not? Or am I okay? Do I really want to do what it takes? Because right now it feels like all risk, and I don't know what the reward is. And some of you are right in that moment. Nicodemus decides to take a risk. So let me just ask you, because he goes to these great lengths to begin to pursue God, what lengths will you go to to pursue God? What lengths will you go to to pursue God? Or, or, or is there a place where you draw the line where you're like, that's, that's as far as I'm going. Like I'm coming to church today, but that's as far as I'm going. I'm gonna do anything else. Or I'll, I'll do that, but I won't do this. What lengths will you go to to pursue God? And then what, what, what is it that makes you shrink back from that? What is it that makes you shrink back from that risk? Um, the conversation with Jesus goes, goes on uh, Jesus speaks back to him. He replies to him, um, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so Jesus is starting to speak to, to Nicodemus and he's like speak, he begins to speak on this other, this other level. And Nicodemus doesn't understand. In verse, verse four, he says, uh, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Nicodemus is like, how is it? What are you talking about, Jesus? <clears throat> he doesn't understand. He just doesn't um, understand. Jesus is speaking about something that he, he, he's, he's unfamiliar with. In all of his schooling, in all of his studies, he has not come across this, what Jesus is saying. You must be born uh, again. And Nicodemus is stumped. You ever, uh, you ever not understood um, what God is saying? You know, like, can we all just raise a hand in doubt? You ever not understood what God said? You're in good company. You're in good company. So Jesus goes a little further with him and he says this. He says in, in verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He says, um, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And then verse 8, Um, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And, And really, I want to underline just one thing here that he's saying. He's saying it's not about knowledge. It's about rebirth. It's not about knowing more. It's about what you do with what you know. Following Jesus is about being reborn. It's about being reborn. The story that Ethan shared with us last week was about Jesus... Um, turning water into wine into these, uh, in, in these clay jars that were just normal, everyday jars. And, and, and the idea with it is that he wants to do something from the inside in you, in me, just normal, everyday people. That's what he's getting at here, that this is like wine into clay water jars, that he wants to do a miracle inside of you and let it begin there and move outward. And that is not about knowing more. That's not about, oh, I finally know enough. I can finally pass the test. I can finally do good enough. No, he said, no, you have to be reborn. You have to be born again. You were born once, you're here, you're alive. You've been born once, but you have to be reborn. And this is where it's not about knowing more about Jesus. It's about knowing him. This is where Jesus is saying, this is a relationship. This is relational, not informational. This is a relationship. <clears throat> Nicodemus still doesn't get it so he says um, how can this be how can this be and it's almost like he's saying I don't I, I don't I don't believe you how can this be and, and that question for, for a little while it's, it's the last we get of Nicodemus It's the last we get from Nicodemus, at least in this passage. He's going to show up, though, two more times in the book of John, and I can't wait for you to see. I can't wait for us to see where it is because it's kind of amazing. But right for for this story, in this moment, in this conversation, this is the last thing we get from Nicodemus, a question. A question. Remember, like, God wants our questions. Ask him your questions. God wants our, our, our questions but Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher? You don't understand these things? He's like, uh, uh, you're, you're the one, you know, who's supposed to know the answers and you don't get what I'm telling you. And, and in other words, he's saying, this is not about your position in life. This is not about um, being smarter or knowing more. This is not about being more religious. This is not about uh, the more you religious you are, the more, you, more religious you are, the more you get it. This is different. And so Jesus goes on, A very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. And we testify to what we've seen, but still your people do not accept our testimony. Um, Verse 12, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. And then he says this, just as Moses, and all of a sudden Nicodemus goes, oh yeah, I know him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up and then uh, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. Jerry, will you back up one slide? Moses, just as Moses, it's such a crazy thing to say for Jesus, right? Like, admit, like where is this coming from? But Nicodemus would have immediately known what he was talking about, because the people of Israel, as they were wandering through the desert, uh, were were basically attacked by these poisonous snakes. <laughs> It sounds like something from literally my nightmare, okay? Uh, Like they're they're being bitten by these snakes and they're like, what do we do? And they go to Moses and Moses goes to God and God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fashion um, this, this image of a snake and I want you to stick it on top of your staff. And when you hold it up in front of the people and they lift their eyes up and they look at this, that is going to bring healing. When that snake is lifted up, That is gonna bring healing. Jesus was saying, I'm gonna be lifted up. Now, they didn't know what that meant in the moment. But Jesus was gonna be lifted up on a cross so that when our eyes meet his, and we say, yes, I believe, healing happens. It's it's this deep, sort of statement that Jesus makes, and Nicodemus immediately gets it. And then um, in in the book of John, we get John kind of turning a corner, and he starts to preach. And he he, he sort of goes, here's what's going on. And this is where we get this passage. Uh, That's John 3.16. For God so loved, can we just go slowly through this? This is why, right? This is why the rest of it happens. This is the thing, the impetus for the rest of the thing, the rest of the verse to happen. It's because God so loved. So he he starts with a because at the beginning of the sentence. And he says, for God so loved the world. How much did he love the world, right? This is how much he loved the world, that he gave. He gave. The giving begins with him. The investment begins with him. The relational effort began with him, not you or me. He gave, what did he give? All that he could. His one and only son. He gave everything. The most important thing. Why? So that whoever believes in him, whoever believes, that word belief, underline that, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's, it's really like the greatest sentence ever written. This is the gospel in one sentence. This is what it means. This is what it's about, that whoever believes. Belief is the pathway to relationship. Not more knowledge, not more good works, not more coming to church, not more... Uh, I mean, like, belief is the pathway to relationship, the question that it poses, the question I'll pose to you is simply this. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus was fully God and fully human and he went to the cross and he took on your sin when he went there and he rose again? Do you believe? And then I'll just share this one more verse with you this morning because we forget sometimes about John 3, 17. And it's equally incredible. It says this: "For God didn't send His Son to the world to condemn the world." Think about your. Um, we you just think for me for a minute, and I, I won't ask you to share this. But think about your worst day. Like the, like the worst day that you've had. Like worst in your life, worst. Don't want to go back and relive that one, do we? Even on that day, God did not come to condemn you. And I don't know what the messages are that you've heard throughout your life about God, about Jesus, from the church, from other people, from whatever. But would you just listen to this and let this supersede anything that you already think you know about God? He did not come to condemn you, even on your worst day. And I've had some bad ones even on our worst day. He didn't come to condemn the world. Here's why he came, to save the world through him. To save the world through him. And it's interesting, it doesn't say to educate the world through him. Uh, It says to save, why? Because that's what we need. We need a savior and he came to save. Do you believe? Jesus doesn't condemn you. He's here to invite you in to save you. That's the gospel. We don't deserve it, but we can have it. It's just simply true that he won't invade your own life um, without you inviting him. He won't come into a door that's closed. In Revelation 3.20, it says, he's saying to us, like, I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's our job. That's our responsibility to open the door. That's it. So I want to share with you four things. Um, These are steps you can take right now. These are things you can do um, right now. And the first one is this. Be hungry enough to seek God out. Maybe you're going to find yourself in one of these in particular today. Be hungry enough to seek God out out nicodemus for all of his status for all of his stature and i would uh imagine that he was as highly esteemed or more so than any of us in this room in his culture in his community he will he was willing to risk it are you willing to be hungry enough to seek god out second thing is this be bold enough to ask your questions Nicodemus was was okay asking questions. Sometimes people get to a certain point in life, they don't think they can ask a question anymore. They think they should have all the answers. He knew he didn't have the answers. And so I love that about him, that he came and he asked questions. And he said, I don't understand. And I bet his friends would have been like, you don't understand? Like, how could you not understand something? You understand everything. He didn't understand. I think Jesus loves that. Like he welcomes that. He wants you to come and say, I don't get it. And he's just, he just, I think he craves those questions from us. Be bold enough to ask your questions. And then this, be humble enough to listen to what Jesus says. Be humble enough to listen to what Jesus says. It's not enough to simply get the answer. It's not enough to simply have the conversation. Are you willing to do what he asks you to do? And then the fourth thing is this, be ready enough to respond with faith. Be ready enough to respond with faith. Um, I told you that Nicodemus, uh, this is not the last we hear of him, and I will give you this little sneak peek, right? He shows up two more times. The last time he shows up, the last time he shows up, he is helping take Jesus' body off of the cross and burying him in a proper way. And when he did that, What he was doing was putting his entire life at risk. But what he was saying was this, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm a Pharisee. I'm also a follower of Jesus. This is what defines me. And I'm willing to take the risk and be humble and be ready to respond to him and to what he needs from me. He didn't care what anybody else had to say about it. The invitation today is, is would you take on a little bit more of the the heart and the spirit of Nicodemus in your life? Like, where do you need to do that? Is it in just humbly seeking after him? Is it in prioritizing Jesus? Is it in asking him your question and saying, I'm not going to let my question go or slide. I'm going to ask it to him. Maybe it's being willing to take a risk. Maybe it's just saying, I'm going to respond. Like when he invites me to respond, that's going to be my priority, The invitation for you and for me is that. And it's because God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that whoever believes might receive him and step into eternal life that begins now with him. What a gift. What a gift. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.